Well, welcome everybody to week three in the series, I Can Relate. If you're new, you're just joining in with us, man, we're glad you came. And uh, let me tell you what we're, we're talking about these days. We've been uh, for quite some time focusing on what has become the most famous words that Jesus ever spoke, uh, what many Christians have come to call the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been going through lots of different sections of what Jesus had to say. And where we are particularly right now is the part where Jesus turns his focus toward our relationships. And what we've said during this entire journey that we've been on is that if you will follow all the teachings of Jesus, uh, no matter what you believe about him, his teachings will make your life better and he'll make you better at life. And particularly in the section we're dealing with right now in the series, uh, we could make this claim. If you follow these teachings of Jesus, he will make, you, uh, make your relationships better, and he will make you better at relationships and how you deal with the people in your world. So why don't we just dive right into it? I want to read to you uh, the next statement that Jesus makes in his talk, and it's real short, and it's, it's to the point. Here's what Jesus said. Do not give dogs... What is sacred? Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they'll trample them under their feet and they'll turn and tear you to pieces. So basically, you and me, we're really spiritually superior. And it's like we've got these pearls, these great uh, nuggets of wisdom, and we carry those around with us. But there's this whole other group of people, and they don't have these pearls of great wisdom. In fact, Jesus refers to them as, well, like dogs or pigs. And the truth is, well, they just don't get it. In fact, they're not even worth your time. They're not worth your effort. I mean, just, so just don't bother with them. Don't, don't worry about them. Just kind of let them be. You can just ignore them. You can just move on. and You can take your great pearls of wisdom with you, and you don't have to worry about all these other people. They're not worth your effort. They're not worth your time. Just leave them alone. Now, is that what Jesus is really saying here? <laughs> well, Believe it or not, uh, through the years, I've heard a lot of well-meaning, well-intentioned Christians say, yes, that is precisely what Jesus is saying. Jesus is calling a certain group of people out there in the world pigs, and they're not worth your time, they're not worth your effort, and you should just sort of let them alone, and you just hold on to your great pearls of wisdom because they're not worth it. And if you're like me, and you've... <laughs> you've come acquainted with Jesus in any kind of way, you probably are asking the same question that I often ask when I've heard people interpret Jesus' words this way. That doesn't sound very Jesus-y to me. Maybe it doesn't sound very much like Jesus to you. One time uh, there were a group of kids and they were read this verse of Scripture and they were asked to interpret it in their own words what it means. And a little boy named Jacob, he was six years old, he said, well, here's what it means. It means that I should never give my sister my toys. So in his world, you know, his toys are the pearls, and his sister, well, she's the pig. Now, that's cute and that's funny, but there's a problem with that. When you interpret Jesus' words that way, the truth is you just need to go ahead and admit that kind of goes against every other thing that Jesus said and did throughout his entire life. And just a quick side note on this. 
If you're ever listening to someone talk about what Jesus said and they're telling you what he said or, or you're reading some words that Jesus spoke and, and you come across something that contradicts who Jesus was or what Jesus did throughout his life, you need to take a moment and seriously consider your interpretation of those words because the chances are you've got it wrong somehow. You maybe have pulled it out of context a little bit or you just, you're seeing it in a light that, well, Jesus didn't really mean or maybe Jesus was getting at something a little bit different than what you're interpreting. See, Jesus could not have meant, hey, look, there are some people out there and they're unworthy pigs and you should not help those people. Why? Because if that were the case, Jesus himself would have constantly violated that rule all throughout his life. In fact, Jesus' very existence on the planet would have violated that rule. Because let's think about it. According to Jesus and the rest of the writers of Scripture, who is it that falls into the category of broken, messed up, sinful, needs help kind of people? Well, that's not a trick question. That would be all of us, right? All of us fall into that uh, category. We all are in that group. So with that way of thinking and interpreting Jesus' words that way, God should have never, ever become a human being in the form of Jesus Christ, sent his son into the world, and done anything to help us. See, it just doesn't make sense. In fact, this is the thing that Jesus got criticized the most by all the religious people of his day. I mean, you know this is true. Jesus would be uh, hanging out with, with people, and, and the religious leaders would come to him and say, Jesus, why are you, why are you hanging out with these, these pigs, these dogs, these sinners? Why are you, in essence, throwing your pearls to the pigs? And Jesus would constantly say things like this. He would say, look, it's not healthy people who need a doctor. It's the sick. It's the needy. And in fact, that's the reason why I've come. Jesus never taught that you should not go around doing good things for people just because they might not appreciate it or they might reject it or they might misuse the good things or the good words that you give them. In fact, Jesus taught the exact opposite. In fact, he taught the opposite in the very same words, the very same sermon that we're looking at today. If you've been around here for a few months, you may remember we read these words that Jesus said just recently. Love your enemies. Pray for the people who are actively against you, who are persecuting you. In fact, in that same section, Jesus goes on to say these words. He says, look, don't just love the people who love you back. Don't just give to the people who can repay you when you do it. He said, that doesn't take any effort. That, that, that's a no-brainer. Anybody can do that. It takes no power. It takes no effort. It takes no help from God at all. Instead, Jesus said, be like your Father who is in heaven. Do more. Go farther. Go beyond that. Do what God does. Love everyone all the time. Whether you think they're worthy of that love, whether you think you're, they're worthy of that kindness or not, whether they will misuse or mistreat that kindness or not. So I just wanted to, right up front when we read these words of Jesus, I just want to kind of clear that up and get it out of the way right at the beginning, that Jesus is not trying to tell you and me that there are certain types of people out there and you should consider them dogs or pigs and they're unworthy of these great pearls of wisdom that you and I have. Nobody ever taught, nobody ever modeled the worth and the dignity of human beings the way Jesus did. Nobody ever demonstrated this universal command to love everyone always the way Jesus did in his life. So that leads us to the question. So if that's not what Jesus meant when he said that, what did he mean? What was he trying to teach us? 
Well, I think Jesus, what he's doing is he's pointing us to a deep wisdom about relationships that many of us miss. I think he's pointing us to a way that we can relate to people that if we put it into practice and we take it seriously, could very well save your friendships. It could save your marriage. It could save your relationship with your children. So here's how I want you to think about this. Let's, let's take the illustration that Jesus gives us. What's the main problem with you giving a pearl to a pig? And it has nothing to do with whether the pig is worthy or unworthy of the pearl. You know what the main problem is? Pearls are not helpful to pigs. <laughs> well, I mean, what use does a pig have with a pearl? How many times do you see a pig walking around with a strand of pearls on? I've only seen it one time, and it was on the Muppet Show. Miss Piggy, remember her? Loved that show. Grew up with that show. It was awesome. But outside of that, okay, you don't see very many pigs wearing pearls because pearls don't do pigs any good. In fact, if a pig had the ability to ask you for something, what might that pig ask you for? Slop. Food. I mean, you put slop in the trough, you got a happy pig. You got a healthy pig. Now, you can, you, can, you can pour pearls into a trough, and the pig will reject those pearls. And you can be mad at the pig all you want. You can call the pig ungrateful. You can say the pig just, is, just, just doesn't appreciate what you're giving them. You can get mad and frustrated and angry at the pig all you want. The pig does not care. In fact, eventually, if you keep pouring pearls into a pig's trough, that pig's going to turn around and bite you. Why? Because he's hungry, and at least you are edible. See, now let's stop talking about pigs for a minute. Let's bring this into the real world, into where you and I live. Think of it this way. Have you ever had a piece of advice? You ever had just a, a call it a pearl of wisdom, something that you knew was right, and you wanted to share it so badly with somebody because you knew they really should hear it, but in the end, they didn't want it, and in the end, it wasn't really going to be that helpful to them in their situation. I think we've all had that experience. This is what Jesus is referring us to. See, when you take Jesus' words and you look at the larger context of what Jesus has been talking about all along, in fact, what we've been dealing with for the past couple of weeks, you'll see that what Jesus is really talking about to us in this section is all of these wrong ways that particularly religious people wind up relating to the people in their lives. I'll give you an example. Two weeks ago, we saw how Jesus said these words, hey, don't judge, right? And what Jesus was referring to is something that we as religious people often fall into. Don't we do that a lot? We have a tendency to do that. And Jesus is saying, look, look there's a better way. And then last week, remember what we talked about? Jesus said, hey, look, don't go around pointing out the little speck in your brother or sister's eye when the whole time you're ignoring that you've got a plank in your own eye. In other words, don't go around pointing out the faults of other people until you have turned around and looked at your own faults and dealt with that. Jesus, again, is dealing with how we as religious people often can be overcritical without being internally focused on the things that we need to change. And so here Jesus is speaking about basically the same kind of idea. He's talking to those of us who are his followers, religious people, about a new practice that, well, you just might want to call pearl pushing. 
And pearl pushing is when you and I try to push our pearls. In other words, our wisdom or our thoughts or our ways of doing things or our, what we would think of as superior knowledge. We try to push that onto another person, even when they don't want it and even if it won't be helpful to the other person. See, a pearl pusher, pearl pusher is someone who winds up being naturally drifting toward criticism more than they drift toward encouragement of other people. People who take it upon themselves to constantly be looking for ways that other people need to be corrected and then giving them unwanted advice. Noticing where everybody's getting it wrong, pointing out the flaws, and figuring out how to fix everybody. I once heard it said this way, that there are really only two kinds of drivers on the road. There are the maniacs who drive faster than you, and then there are the idiots who drive slower than you. Think about that the next time you're on I-85, right? It's true. That's the way we view the world. See, if you go around looking for the flaws in everybody else and the way that they're doing things, guess what you're going to find? You are going to find the flaws. When we look at other people's lives, we can't help that. And you can point out those flaws, and you can give the solution to all of those flaws that you want to give. And what you will find is that you will go through life wondering, why is it that people just don't want to be around me very much? Well, it's because pearl pushers wind up being lonely people. Pearl pushers wind up with this tone of superiority that they carry around with them. And listen, it's not intentional. It comes from a good place. I don't deny that. But it's... It's not about where it comes from. It can be very well-intentioned. What matters is how we make the people feel who are around us every day. So when Jesus comes to us and he says, look, don't throw your pearls to pigs, he's just saying, look, if the pig's not ready for your pearl, don't push it. He's speaking about a very, very deep sense of wisdom about how we deal with people. Loving other people it's not just about knowing what to say. It's also about knowing when to say it, and, it means, and it's also about when not to say it. See how that works? There's a really great verse in your Bible. It's in a book called Proverbs. If you're not a, a Bible person, the book of Proverbs is this little book right in the middle of your Bible, and it exists with all these short, pithy little sayings, and they're just nuggets of wisdom about how life works. You should check it out sometime. There's, there's lots of helpful advice. No matter what you believe about God or the Bible, it's just helpful. And I want to read one of them to you that applies to what we're talking about here. It says this. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. <laughs> uh, just picture this. Imagine for just a second. It's really early one morning. It's before dark. It's when everybody's sleeping. But you've got some really good news that you can't wait to share. So you rush over to your neighbor's house while he's in bed, and you loudly outside of his bedroom window proclaim your good news. Question, will your neighbor see that as good news? No. No matter what you say, no matter how great it is. Why? Because the pig is not ready for your pearl. The pig wants to sleep in. See, your pearl, your wisdom, your thoughts, your ways, your ideas may be very good stuff, genuinely good wisdom. It might be exactly what another person needs to hear. In fact, maybe the pearl that you possess 
is the gospel itself, the good news about Jesus and what he's done in this world. But you may end up in a situation where it's, it's just not the right time. Or you might be dealing with a person who's not in the right place to hear the pearl that you have. We need to be wise about that. For example, I, I, I've known women who really love Jesus, but they had a husband who didn't. But more than anything else, they wanted their husbands to love Jesus too. And that is a good thing. There is nothing wrong with that. But she finds herself being tempted to push it on him constantly. Listen to this podcast or read this book or do this and do that. Always letting him know she's praying for him, which are all good things. But she forgets in, in the excitement and in, in, in the enthusiasm that she's pushing a pearl on a pig. It is not helping him. In fact, it is making him more resentful toward the things that she's pushing. I've had this happen many times. I've seen a parent bring their teenager into my office and they'll stand there with their teenager and they'll say, tell him he's wrong and I'm right. Give her the truth and let her know that she is off track. And I'm thinking to myself, you're right. You are right and, and she's wrong. I get that. But this pig is not ready for your pearl. And the way you're going about it is not being helpful. In fact, love right now requires you to find a better way to share your wisdom with this person. See, pearl pushing happens in all places, all kinds of relationships. I've seen it happen in marriage, workplaces, between friends, right here in the church. It's, it's everywhere. But that right there, the, the example I just gave you, that's where I see it the most, between parents and their kids. Can I just talk about that just for a second? Just some wisdom that I've learned over the years? Because, see, I'm a parent myself, and, and I completely get this. I worked with teenagers for years. I get this. I feel the same pressure you do as a parent. When my kids were born, I felt that enormous weight on my shoulders of the responsibility that I had for this little life. And, you know, when they're, when they're little, we get to control their lives. We get to tell them when to eat and what to eat where to go and where not to go, who to be with and who not to be with, when to sleep and when to wake up, uh, what to listen to and what not to listen to, what to watch and what not to watch. I mean, and that's our responsibility. That's what good parents do. We, we control the environments of our littlest ones. But you know, if you've been a parent long enough, that there is one thing that is harder and more terrifying than being in control of your kid's life. And that's not being in control of your kid's life. See, we parents, we live with all this pressure and these expectations and worries and hopes and all this love and a little bit of our own ego, and it's all blended up there together. And if we're not careful, we can wind up laying those inflated expectations and sometimes that pressure onto our kids, and it leads us toward pearl pushing. Sit up straight. Clean the room. Get that homework done. No, 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 don't do it that way. That's not going to, okay, just, just give it to me. I can do it better. What, what are you thinking? I mean, I've told you this a thousand times. Why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like your brother? Why do you always disappoint me? And you know as well as I do that we don't have to actually say those words out loud for our kids to hear those words from us loud and clear. They pick up on it whether we say it or not. I've got two girls. One's 12 
The other one's 15. And I've just started learning something in this stage of parenting that I'm in right now. And now, I don't do this perfectly, but I'm trying hard these days. I have learned that my girls, where they are right now, they pretty much know what I'm going to say long before I say it. In fact, I've almost completely given up on lecturing my kids these days. Because think about it. How many of you as adults would say, looking back, you know what? The one thing that would make me a better adult today is if my parents would have lectured me one more time. If they just give me that one more long talk, I'd be a much better adult today. I don't think any of us would say that. So for me these days, I'm trying to lean into asking more questions. Hey, what are you thinking about that? What decision do you think is best in that situation? Or, or, or when you made that decision, what, what came of it? And, and do you think there was a better way that you could have done that? How do you think things are going these days between you and me and the way this house is working? What do you think we can do better? It's, it's a relationship more of questions and discovery together than it is about lectures. And look, I know, I know, my kids are teenagers in every parenting stage. I get it is different, and I don't want you to get the idea that what I'm trying to say or what Jesus is teaching us in this passage is, is that we should not make uh, boundaries. That's not it. That, that we should not have consequences, and we should never confront bad behavior. Come on, that, that's a given. That's part of our job. Jesus' point here is very simple. You cannot force your wisdom upon a non-receptive person. You cannot control another free human being. You can't go around making sure that every other person in your world turns out perfectly. You can't. It's just impossible. At some point, you have to let them go, and you have to leave room for God to work. And I know that's hard. That is, that's one of the toughest things we can ever do as a parent. Especially those of us who follow Jesus, those of us who love Jesus more than anything. Isn't it the one thing that you want in this world for your children to love Jesus the way that you do? And I know there's no greater pain for a parent than to know that the God you treasure most is not also treasured in the same way by your child. But God made every human being free to choose. And at some point we grow up and we choose. But that's what love does, see? It's what love requires. And God loves us even when we use that God-given freedom to not love him. God pours blessings on every single person, whether they love him or whether they are shaking their fist in defiance at him. He still pours his blessings into their lives. And see, that's why here at Community Christian, we take this responsibility so seriously. See, we believe that it's not just your job to grow and to develop your child spiritually. It's all of our jobs. Our kids and student ministries, we, we take it as our mission to partner alongside of parents, to build into our kids, to, to grow a love in them for Jesus and his word and his church. We see it as all of our responsibilities. You know, a lot of times around schools and around churches, we hear a lot about teacher-student ratios, you know what I'm talking about? We're always talking about, hey, we got to get the teacher-student ratio down. We want it to be like one uh, teacher for every 10 students, or better yet, one teacher to every five students. That's a good ratio. But you want to know what the research actually tells us? Research says that if you want a good predictor of 
a child growing up to be committed to God and to his church, you actually need to flip that ratio around. They tell us that every child needs a team. They need a group. They need a family pouring into them. So if you're a parent, what you should really want for your child, for their own spiritual development, is you want a team of people. You need a team around that child, pouring into them and loving them and, and supporting them. And that group could exist or consist of lots of different uh, 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 areas. I mean, it could be family. It could be aunts and uncles and grandparents. But it should also include people outside of that family circle. People like our volunteer ministry leaders, like the ones we have around here. It's a funny thing about kids when they get older. But after a while, they don't want their parents' pearls anymore. Maybe you've noticed this. I'm noticing it with my kids. I mean... For some reason, they'll listen to somebody else's pearls, even if they're the same pearls that you've been trying to give them all these time, all this time, right? I just once, uh, or recently just read a story about Tony Dungy. Many of you know Tony. He's, he's a Super Bowl winning coach, Hall of Famer. I mean, he's, he's done it all. He's coached the best athletes in the NFL. And he had a son, and his son was in high school, and he was playing on the football team, and and his son was uh, into the training and everything, and he was so proud of his kid. But he kept noticing that while he was in training and, and doing all this stuff, he's, he's, he would come down for breakfast every morning, and all he could get his son to eat was a Pop-Tart. Now, Pop-Tarts are fine. I mean, they taste really good, especially the ones with the frosting on them. They're excellent. But we all know that a Pop-Tart is not the greatest source of nutrition, especially for an athlete who's in training. And so he would try to tell his kid all about the science of nutrition and training regiments and how he needed to eat a bigger breakfast. So here his son is, he's getting advice from an NFL Super Bowl winning coach, and he won't listen to him. He just keeps eating the Pop-Tarts. One day, Tony comes down uh, from the bedroom, and he, he's, he, he's in the kitchen, and he sees his son, and he's fixing breakfast. But he notices his son's got a really big breakfast He's preparing. He's got bacon and eggs and oatmeal and fruit. And Tony Dungy is so excited, he's thinking to himself, the pearl has finally gotten through. And so he can't resist saying to his son, he says, son, I'm so proud of you. You're fueling up today, buddy. Good job. And his son looks back at him and says, yeah, coach told me I need to eat a bigger breakfast. Here he is. He's a NFL Super Bowl winning rock star. But he's still dad. And the pig didn't want his pearl. Now, can I just say something real quick for just a minute that's real personal, coming from me? Whenever I stand up here and, and I tell you that you need to make sure that your child has adults building into their life, and when I say you should take full advantage of our student ministries, our children's ministries, and our amazing group of volunteers who are working with our kids, I just want you to know, I do not say that as a pastor who works at this church. I am saying that as a fully satisfied customer. Because year after year, one person after another, I have left my children in the spiritual care of some loving, devoted adult volunteers at our church. From before the time that my kids could even speak words, all the way up to this, this coming year when my daughter will begin to drive herself to her small group every week. My kids have been shaped into the young adults that they are who treasure Jesus 
in their life and see it as their life's mission to join with him in his work in this world through his local church. And that very well may be the greatest gift that I have been given and my family has been given in my whole life. And, and, and one more thing that I need to say right here, because I, I know that maybe you're here today and, and you're a parent and your child's all grown up and they're far from God. They're far away from faith. And I just want you to hear me say this. Hey, you, you still get to love them. Don't forget that. You, you still get to work with them. You get to pray for them. Their story is not over. It is still being written. And God loves your child more than you do. God, his heart breaks for your child more than your heart breaks. And so it's okay for you to release that child into his care and into his hands. Because listen to me say this. This is so important. You are responsible to your child, but you are not responsible for your child. Because that's a burden you can't carry. That's too big for you to carry. And as pearl pushers that we tend to be, we have to learn that. It's a lesson we have to learn. Now, let me change directions and let's get back to where we all live in our relational world as followers of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I look around at our world today, and I think our world is pretty tired of us Christians trying to force our pearls on them. I, I don't think it's actually our job to go around day after day after day correcting people, fixing people, giving them advice when they haven't asked for it explaining to the world what's wrong with this world and how they're so off track and what the problem with that group is and if they would only do this and why don't these people behave like I think they should behave. I think the world is pretty tired of that. I think it's time for followers of Jesus to stop pushing our pearls on people and to start coming alongside of people with a heart full of humility and offering some love and some healing, and some hope, and some servanthood, and some generosity. See, I kind of think that that's how Jesus wound up creating the most inclusive, loving, inviting movement that the human world has ever seen, the church. Because in Jesus, there are no divisions anymore. That dividing wall that we often want to put between us has been torn down. There is no separating within the church based on wealth or intelligence or race or gender or political persuasion. So what would it look like if just this week we all just said as followers of Jesus, we're giving up the pearl pushing. No judgment, no condemnation, no superiority, no comparing and no blaming. Now, I know what that causes many of us to think and what many of us wind up asking. If I can't point things out, if I can't judge, if I can't say all that the wrong, the, the, the wrong things are wrong and the right things are right, if I, can't, if I can't approach people that way, if I can't force my advice on people, tell them what they're supposed to do and, and give them criticism, then how in the world am I supposed to relate to people? What am I supposed to do if I'm concerned about something, if I see something that's wrong and, a and there's a problem and I need to point it out? What if I want one thing and they want another? Well, that's a great question. And Jesus has the answer to that question. 
fact, the answer to that question is actually the simplest, best practice for human relationships that has ever been given in our world. It always unites people. It always magically will put you on the same side with another person, no matter what their persuasion or yours. It is how we wind up relating to people within the kingdom of God. It's also how God has chosen to relate to us. It is the basic operating system within God's kingdom. And we're going to talk about it over the next two weeks. How's that for a teaser, right? Now for today, though, for today, what if for just this week we stop pushing the pearls? No judging, no condemnation. What if as we went throughout our day and our relationships with people, we began to ask God this question. God, will you help me to see what you see when you look at this person? God, will you help me to think the thoughts that you think toward this person? And God, would you help me to say the words that you would say to this person? I think if we did that, we would see a little bit of God's kingdom and God's ways and God's will begin to break through in our world and it would change everything. Let's bow for prayer. God, that's our prayer today. That as we relate to the people in our world, that we would see them how you see them. Think the thoughts that you think about them. Love them the way you do. And speak to them the way you would have us speak. God, give us that awareness this week as we encounter the people in our world. Empower us to bring your kingdom into this world all around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. We will see you next week for week four of I Can Relate.